I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you're listening to Two Average Girls. Denise and I are super excited to have our next guest on today. Her name is Maddie Taville. And of all things, she's a doula. What? Hi, Maddie. Hi. Welcome on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on our podcast. So I am excited. And Maddie already knows this probably, but I'm a little skeptical because I don't know, like, what the hell is a doula? <laughs> Classic question. Let's just, just get, get right, right into, into it. it. Let's just get right oh, into right it. now. Like no, oh, I, I, okay. I'm asking for a friend. I don't need mm-hmm. one, by the way. Okay. There, you don't need a doula? Ann and I are here. not in, in the market for a doula, okay. Okay. just in case um, you were wondering. Let's tell people, though, who are listening to this podcast, how old are you, Maddie? I'm... 26. Yeah, I like that you had to think about <laughs> I it. I had to think about it. I have to think about it too. I have to think about how old I am as well, but I'm a lot older. So you are young. You're yes. a young mother. Yes. How many kids do you have? Two kids, a two-year-old and a six-month-old. Okay. And as Denise very appropriately asked, <laughs> what what what's a doula? But I think people need to understand how, how young you are. I mean, you're, you are... Oh, man, and you're right there in the delivery room. Okay, explain to people what a doula is. Let's start with that. So a doula is, in short, just a support person that you have in, well, throughout pregnancy, in the delivery room with you, and then postpartum as well. Um, I like to relate doulas to a wedding planner. Mm. So, you know, you have the priest which is the OB or the midwife, (laughs) they are ordained to perform the ceremony. Sure. Then you have the wedding planner that's there to essentially make sure that the day goes smoothly because on that day, the bride or the laboring mother, they're not really, you know, able to make sure that the day is running smoothly, that the cake is what they wanted, that the decorations look good, you know, and same thing with their birth. And so the doula is there to essentially make sure that the laboring mother gets everything she wants, that her partner gets everything that they want, and an, an advocate, somebody there that can advocate for them in the moment, give them educational support, give them physical, emotional support, just an extra support person. How long have you been doing this? Two years. So right after I had my daughter, I was like, I want to do this. Is, is that what made you decide you wanted to do it once you had your own child? Yeah. So when I was pregnant with my daughter, Truly, um, my husband and I took a childbirth class. And my husband loved it. I loved it. We took the Bradley method. And um, after I had my daughter, like it was... Can I stop you? Yeah. Your husband liked it? Because my it. husband was like, what? What, the birthing class? Yeah, the birthing class. It's upsetting. <laughs> Sorry. I think that did like, Warren like the birthing class? Warren was better with it than I was. We took the I sorry sideshow like right here. 
Is that what you did? I guess it was through did, the hospital. I, I don't know what I did. I just we took a, sh- we took the lunch break. Yeah, that's we, we took the lunch break, <laughs> and I got outside and started walking to that car. I said, "You're not getting me back in there. I'm not doing this. I'm seven and a half months pregnant." So I was doing it. There was no. But I'm <laughs> yeah. like, this is the worst, the worst experience I've ever had. The movie that they show, mm-hmm. it's the worst. You're like, this is traumatic. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do I any of it. I've changed my mind. Yeah. So the Bradley method is is on par with Lamaze as far as it's a birthing no. method well, yes it's a birthing method there's lots of different methods hypnobirthing bradley method Hypno- evidence-based wait, birth wait, there's wait hypnobirthing hypnobirthing what does that mean like you're hypnotized and then you <laughs> give birth like it just helps you get into a state of hypnosis relaxation which is not what i'm specialized in but the bradley method i resonated with that as a pregnant person because it was essentially just giving information and that's what I wanted. I didn't want to know how to get into a state of hypnosis. I didn't want to know all those things. I just wanted to know the facts, the information, what my body was doing, what like I was going through emotionally, how my partner could help. And that's exactly like what the Bradley Method did. And my husband just loved that he felt involved. He felt included. And he felt just like by him getting educated, it allowed him to have an opinion. It allowed him to be equal in the childbirthing process. What kind of certification did you have to get in order to be a certified doula? So right after I had my daughter, I first um, went through certification to be a Bradley Method instructor. I just wanted to do childbirth education. But then as I started taking on client, which it was a long process, it took me like six months. and there was just a bunch. You have to read a bunch of books. Do take you a go bunch to a tests. classroom? Is it actual classroom? It was online. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was online. And then um, when I had like my first couple sets of students, I was kind of bummed that like I helped them all throughout pregnancy, but I didn't get to like be there for the big day to see them apply the stuff that I taught them. And so I was like, you know what? Like I want to be a doula. And uh, because of how extensive Bradley Method is, like when you get certified to teach the Bradley Method, it also includes your certification for doula work. And so oh. I was already technically certified, but I had a little baby at home, and so I was just unsure about it. But yeah, it it came full circle when I was able to attend the births, mm-hmm. um, whether they took my class or not. It's just. It's exciting to see, like, the end result. So first client, was that through one of your classes? Actually, no. Um, So you have to, like, take a certain amount of clients to be fully certified. Mm. And so a lot of people offer them, like, at a discounted price. So if you're looking for a doula but, like, a cheaper option, it's good to, like, look for someone who's just starting out because they're typically going to have cheaper prices. But, um, yeah, I posted on some Facebook groups, and my first client messaged me there. She was a single mom. Um, She had an 18-year-old already and then unexpectedly got pregnant again. And that birth was just incredible. Like, she did so amazing. It was so fast. I got home, and it was just like every birth worker listening to this will just relate to, like, the birth high. You get done, like, witnessing a birth, and you're just like – oh my gosh like you just want to talk about it because it's just like adrenaline and it's just beautiful i think people have the misconception that a doula is like granola unshaved armpit type of situation here's what i thought okay this is what i thought yes it wasn't even just granola my thought was (laughs) why do you need that you have a husband yeah and you have a midwife or a doctor yeah 
and you've taken the classes, like, isn't your husband's job to support you? Absolutely. So how do you <laughs> how do you support the husband? Do you, are you also supporting the husband then? Is that is that part of this whole situation? Yeah, absolutely. So what doula support looks like is totally different for everybody. Because like my first client, she didn't have a husband. So right. my support see for that. her looks different, right? Um, but typically, let's just say typical family, first baby, husband and wife, young married couple, um, I go in and like just like a wedding day, I always relate it to that because the groom is just as nervous as the bride. Mm -hmm. It's just as much of a big day for the father as it is for the mother. And honestly, most of the time, the moms are the ones that are like Googling, what does it mean if I have this? When do I have my baby? When do first time moms this? You know, they're the ones that are researching everything. And dad is just kind of there like, okay, great, honey. Like I'm here to support you. But they have no idea what she needs, what she's going through. Yeah. And so I'm kind of there. I meet with them prior to her giving birth. About where in the gestation process do you meet? Yeah, typically I meet like at 34 weeks and 36 or 37 weeks. Okay. Um, and that's like a time that I can get to know them better. Um, and we can talk about things like the birth plan and I can show the dad like how to assist her and how to give counter pressure and how to do hip squeezes and what to say when she says, stop touching me. Like, right. That, that's where I kind of show him like kind of what it's going to look like, the noises she's going to make, what right. to anticipate on that day so that the day comes and like we've already gotten to know each other. I'm there and oftentimes what it looks like is let's just say that the dad's name is Brad and his wife is in labor and we're at the hospital. I'd say, hey, Brad, why don't you come over here and start counter pressure? I'm going to fill her water. I'm going to get her water. Um, and then let's switch out every other contraction. And so then we just kind of switch out. And then like when it, you know, when things shift, I'm like, okay, mom, let's go ahead and get in the shower because it looks like you're struggling. Let's change things up. Like I just help guide them through the labor as somebody who is knowledgeable in birth um, and just there to support them and advocate for the things that they want. How are you received at hospitals? It totally depends on the hospitals, like, and it depends on the provider and it depends on the nurses for the most part really well, because if a mom comes in and says, I want an unmedicated birth, the nurses typically like leave that mom alone. So then for them to see a doula come in, they're like, okay, great. Like she's in good hands. Like she knows what to do. She's supported. She's going to rock this. And they just kind of leave us alone to like do our thing. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's not that doulas fight with hospital staff, but sometimes advocating for our clients can seem a little like confrontational. Right. Like let's say a couple births ago I had a client. She was really adamant about delayed cord clamping. Oh, it's a, a delayed cord clamping. Yeah, so the, the placenta holds a third of the baby's total blood volume. Mm -hmm. And so after the baby's born, it doesn't even have all of its blood. So the placenta then rushes all of the blood back into the baby. Okay. So if you were to cut the cord immediately, you would deprive the baby of a third of its total blood volume. Oh. Is that normal? Is that normally what a doctor does though? In the past, it was common practice to cut the cord right away. 
now we've kind of moved into a new phase where it's common practice to do delayed cord clamping because they've studied it and the research the research shows that that's what's most beneficial um so that's what my client wanted yeah um and the doctor was like okay like you know let's cut the cord and like went to clamp it and was giving the scissors to dad Mm. and i just like i knew that's what my client wanted so i whispered to my client there's still a little blood in the cord like the cord is blue and you can see it pulsating and so she's like okay let's wait a couple minutes and the doctor's like it's pretty much all in there and i'm like there's still blood in there like you know like just stating like i don't like like that's fine but there is still blood in there and she wants it to be translucent and white and to know that there's no more blood in there i didn't say that but you know that said mm -hmm. you know just said there's still blood in there and then like 60 seconds later the doctor said again okay like let's cut it and i just kept saying like you know to my client there's still blood in there and so she was the one that was making the final decision and she was like it's fine let's cut it i'd be like let's cut it right but she didn't. So I helped her in that moment to advocate for the things that she wanted. Wow. It yeah. takes, I mean, it takes a lot of confidence, especially in the medical field where people are so sure of their knowledge. A doctor is not, they're holding it down. That's why the doctor's there. That yeah. takes a lot of confidence on your part. Yeah. I think. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I love, you know, this is resonating with me because I, when I heard of, very first time I ever heard about a doula the person who had the doula was a very wealthy person who I just felt was like this is a bougie thing right this is something that the rich people have because their husbands are too busy or not present enough to be there right and it sounds to me like I mean I remember giving birth and it's been you know 30 years ago with my first child was born over 30 years ago and the experience wasn't great Mm -hmm. I didn't I mean, back then there was a book. There wasn't the internet. Mm -hmm. There was no way of getting information. I would have loved to have somebody support me. I remember calling the hospital when I had questions and the nurse answering made me feel like I was an idiot. Yeah. Right? You know, like, um, my water broke, I, but you know, I'm not sure if I need to come in. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, like, are you a dum-dumb? Is this your first child? Mm -hmm. No, this is my third child. This was my third child and the water broke, but I had, it was very, very little mm-hmm. water. So it was all these things that I would have loved to have somebody I could have turned to other than the franchise, which is the hospital, because it's really, I think it, it, I think it has changed, but I still think that a lot of times they just want to make their life as easy as possible in that hospital. Oh, totally. So <laughs> they don't really take into account people like what you're saying, their feelings or what their desire is in this birthing experience. I remember I didn't even have a mirror of any kind or anything when Mitchell was born. And I just remember thinking afterwards, I don't even remember really what went on. Right. There was so much that went on that just, I wasn't ready for. Of course, it's totally. And a doula would have, I'm sure, helped. Well, there's so many things in your statements right there that I'm just like, hello. Like just the fact that you said, it wasn't a great experience for me. It's like, so I always refer clients to the website Evidence-Based Birth. That is where you can find evidence-based information about anything regarding birth. Okay. Um, So I always refer people there. But they say like one-third of women feel that their birth is traumatic. For sure. And so just the fact that you felt like your birth was traumatic is reason enough to be like, 
you remember your birth experiences for the rest of your life. So if I were to ask you, why did you spend $20,000 on your wedding or however much you spent? It's because it's a day of love. It's a day where people are coming together so that you can remember this beautiful day for the rest of your life. Why is a birth any different? Why would you not invest that into your birth? Because it's it's an incredible day and there's potential like for it to be a super empowering, incredible experience, but also for it to be a super traumatic, scary experience. Right. Sure. So like if you're gonna remember it for the rest of your life, like I would take my chances and invest in like having the best possible care as possible. So what is the difference? Because I, I was confused about this and I know we actually put it out to our listener, our listeners on our Instagram page. And if you haven't been on the Instagram page, go over there because we take polls quite a bit, especially if we know who we're having on. We want to get your input. And, and here's a question from one of two our Two Average listeners. Girls podcast. Yeah, Two Average Girls <laughs> podcast. On Instagram. In you didn't know. <laughs> um, it, what is the difference between a midwife and a doula? Yeah, I get this question all the time. So I bring it back to like, my wedding planner analogy. So the midwife and an OB are interchangeable, okay? So the only thing a midwife cannot do is perform a C-section because they don't have surgical privileges. They didn't study surgery. They studied childbirth, Mm -hmm. right? So the midwife and the OB are interchangeable. You either hire a midwife or you hire an OB. They are your medical provider. They deliver the baby. And then the doula is additional support. We're not medical providers. We don't do any clinical tasks. We don't do anything like that. We are support, educational, physical, emotional, and advocacy. Like that is what we do. We work solely for the client. Um, And yeah, the midwife or the OB are interchangeable and they're the medical provider what how much would you say uh, percentage wise you do at home birth versus hospital birth oh that's the thing we just moved to arizona from hawaii that's now we haven't plugged your instagram it's the cutest title and the name of your business is the hula doula the hula doula because you were in hawaii yeah exactly beautiful so check her out on instagram but also um that's the name of your company yeah so you moved from Hawaii to Arizona. Yes, and in Hawaii, like a lot, I mean, there's a lot of like local Hawaiians there and I feel like it's not as weird or taboo to like have a home birth. Sure. So there it's much more common, but my market in Arizona, it's not as common to have a home birth. Mm. Um, and so I would say like right now, 80% of my clients are um, hospital births, 10% are freestanding birth centers. What, oh. Wait, wait, what's that? So like a surge center only just for births, right? Yeah, so birth centers are where midwives work. Midwives can also work in hospitals. Um, but a freestanding birth center basically is just like a home, like a cozy place where the midwife works and there's bedrooms with beds and massive bathtubs. Um where you go and you labor and have your baby there and then after like they bring you food and like just like a hospital the only difference is the food is better it's way better like last time i went they like made a little salami rose and it was like so fancy i'm like okay do your thing birth center (laughs) (laughs) but like it is amazing they have to be within five miles of a hospital um and yeah it's it's super similar to a home birth honestly 
But is yeah. that an Arizona thing? No, it's everywhere. There's freestanding birth centers everywhere. We haven't been around the birthing. I'm not in the birthing community. universe right no, now, yeah. so I Actually, don't know. Actually, I won't say that they're everywhere because they're not. Like in Hawaii, there was no freestanding birth no, center. I can't imagine. But sometimes the hospitals, like their OB wing, mm-hmm. will be like they'll say that they have a birth center, but really it's just the hospitals like OB wing, right? Um, but yeah, a freestanding birth center, five miles from the hospital. You can't get epidurals there because there's no OB. Mm. So yeah, there we go. That's why we never knew about a birthing center because yeah, I was like, like, doctor, give me the drug. I was like it. three weeks before. I'm like, okay, can I get it now? Please. It, now, please. I r- stroll on in there. Okay, I'm ready for the epidural. <laughs> Hi, my sure name is make, Denise. Let's make I sure want an epidural. Hey, I'm Denise and I want uh, an epidural <laughs> right now. Ma'am, you're not even out of the car. So what is your view on epidurals? I mean... Whatever floats your boat. Like, I have a lot of clients that from the start are like, yep, like, I want an epidural. A lot that say, I want an unmedicated birth, but not opposed to epidurals. And then some people who are like, no, absolutely no epidurals. It it doesn't matter, like, how I feel about, like, myself and, like, my births and what right. I want. For my clients, I do not care. It's whatever. It's whatever they want. Sometimes they're absolutely needed and so yes. beneficial. Right. Um, but I wish there was just more education on it because there are a lot of risks to epidurals. There are a lot of side effects to epidurals. Like Denise, I heard you say prior to us recording um, that you your epidural wore off. And you're yeah. probably like, what the heck? Like, why am oh, I feeling I this? wanted a refund. Yeah. Like, I wanted <laughs> why am a I refund. paying for this? I'm like, are you kidding me right now? The a one refund. time, I, the whole entire time, this was my second, the whole entire time the drip system in the whole epidural, you know, IV would come on and off. It would like blink, 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 and they'd have to send somebody in. And by the time someone came in, it was wearing off. Let's just say this. When the baby's coming and it wears off, it freaking hurts. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Maddie that my experience was, because we talked about the fact that I I always wondered, I wanted to go natural when I very first had Mitchell, my very first, because I felt like I didn't want that big needle in my back. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that just grossed me out. And I thought, I can do this. Mm-hmm. If people can squat in a field, I can go to a hospital where it's safe and I can push a baby out. Come mm-hmm. on, how hard can it be? But you don't have to. I, I get that. So, but I went there and I thought, you know, in about 12 hours in, I mm. was just like, and I still hadn't, you know, needed the epidural. I needed the epidural, but I was like trying not to. My husband was just like, no, you need to please get it. Just yeah. please get it. And at that point, you get so tired and you get so worn out. You're like, okay, yeah, maybe I could just get some relief right now. Totally. So when, the, when, the, when it didn't work, I was so disappointed because... I wasn't prepared for that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to handle the pain. Oh yeah. And I was asking her about how do you handle how do can can women handle the pain like can everyone and you said something about everyone can do this. Yeah, I mean so whenever I talk in like broad statements, that's like in the event of normality. This is for low risk moms where like, you know, everything is going well. But, like, I always hear people say, like, oh, I can't do it. Like, I don't have a good pain tolerance or, you know, a million reasons. And it's like, you know what? It's really not about pain tolerances. Anybody could do it if you're set up with all the right tools that 
what are those tools? What would you say are the right tools so that you could be successful in a birth like that? Yeah, so let's say like you're going to run a marathon and you just showed up day of and mm. ran that marathon. You would cross that finish line and think, I am never doing that again. That was the worst experience of my life. Mm-hmm. If you started prepping nine months prior by staying well hydrated, getting good nutrition, like stretching, like weight training, doing all the right things, like getting educated on the proper shoes to wear and this and Mm. that, all Mm. of a sudden the marathon would still be hard, but you would cross the finish line feeling so empowered and proud that you just did that. And I think it's the same thing with birth. So the things that I think are beneficial is number one, take a childbirth education class, whatever that is, whether that's the Bradley method, hypnobirthing, evidence-based birth, hypnobabies, whatever. Mm. Pick whichever one resonates with you um, and then go from there. They will give you like the starting point of things to research further. They'll help you create a birth plan. They'll help you and your partner know what to expect. But in the Bradley method, we always talk about exercising while pregnant. Mm. That could just be a walk. Nice. That could just be tailor sitting and doing stretches at home. A what? Taylor. Taylor setting. So just having good posture, pushing that uterus forward. Oh. It alleviates the pain in the back from your growing baby and uterus. Right. Um, having good nutrition, staying hydrated. And then, you know, just giving you guys the tools like I talked about early about teaching the husband, like what to anticipate, how to do counter pressure, hip squeezes, how to talk to her in labor. Right. Like how to you know like just what to expect that day i don't know how you train for that kind of pain though because it's there's nothing anyone can tell you i'm just thinking about my own experience which was fine Mm -hmm. there was not there was nothing traumatic or dramatic about it but you're never i was not in any way and i only have one kid so you can see how that went uh i was not in any way prepared for how much pain and the relentlessness of the pain you know so i think that's probably why some people get in there and go oh forget this word epidural me baby right now yeah do you have a lot of people who get in there they're like natural birth all the way and then after that first or second contraction they're like you've got to hook me up with some drugs never the first or second contraction oh it's always down the road yeah it's always like very far in oh okay plus i mean that's good everything she's saying half of the things she's talking about have no idea what she's talking about because (laughs) i didn't have i mean she's talking about all these stretches and doing all these things nobody told us to do that to do a taylor swift stretch i yeah whatever that (laughs) is go ahead and taylor swift no no taylor sit like oh see i'm feeling 22 right right shoes i mean all of these things hydrating i mean obviously eating well we knew about but Things have changed over so, the years. There's so much more knowledge now. So yeah. much more knowledge. Thank and goodness. like she said, I mean, you have you have the ability. You know us. We love to Google. I mean, <laughs> if you had to, you could Google. But I think what she's saying is, if she's doing her job the right way, the mom is prepared the best possible way that anybody can yeah. be in the situation. I don't think most doctors, and maybe it's changed even for OBs now or midwives, I don't think that they prepare you for the mental an emotional strain that you're going to be in during birth. Do you meet with the doctor beforehand? Is there ever an occasion where you 
hook up with the OBGYN beforehand and go, hi, I'm Maddie and I'm, I'm working I'm working with Mrs. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith and this is what we're doing. Um, if the client wants me to, but that's not often. Oh. Um, like I always say, like, if you want me to attend any of your visits with you, because oh. um, that could totally be beneficial if, let's say, the doctor's like, oh, you have low amniotic fluid levels, like, let's talk about induction, or and my client's really nervous about it. I might say like, well, you know, if you want me to join you at your next appointment, it's beneficial for me to hear what the doctor's saying because I'm probably more educated than my clients. So I then I can like better assist them to help them advocate for what they want. But no, it's not often that like I go prior. Mm-hmm. You talked about the Bradley method and you yeah. refer to it quite a bit. What do you what are some of the things that set that apart and the reason that you cho- that you chose that that was a question that somebody had um mm. one Br- of our bradley our, method versus when we were having babies it was just lamaze that's Lamaze's. all you got yeah what is and i think that's probably what most people our age um know is there a big difference between the bradley yes. and other methods like lamaze is like i swear i've been totally discredited because like the breathing like mm-hmm. the sh- I know. Doesn't that's like help. what everybody knows about mm-hmm. like Lamaze and childbirth. And that's like so... Focus on just look at that that one thing. And yeah, it's silly because like if if you're exerting a lot of energy and you breathe like... <laughs> like you're not going to have enough oxygen, which means your baby's not going to have enough oxygen. Oh, so anyways, no. that's my spiel on Lamaze. But Bradley Method, their slogan is husband coached childbirth. So I loved that from the start because I'm like, I do. Like, I want my spouse to be involved. Like, this is a really big day for him, and I really wanted to include him. Um, But the biggest reason why I chose Bradley Method was because as I researched all other methods, I just kept going back to, like, well, what if it doesn't work? Like, let's just say hypnobirthing because I feel like that's a really big one. You know, I kept thinking, what if I can't get into a state of hypnosis Yeah. at the time? Then right. I'm just going to be like, okay, great. It's all out the window. Like, yeah. now what do I do? Like, mm-hmm. give me the epidural because it didn't work. Yeah, completely. So it just didn't, it didn't make sense for me. But Bradley Method was just like, here, let me sit down with you for 12 weeks and give you all the information. Let's talk about anatomy. Let's talk about the stages of labor. Let's talk about comfort measures and relaxation techniques and nutrition and exercise. And I was like, oh, yep, that's me. Because I'm like, you know, I feel like a lot of pregnant moms are like, I are Googlers. We need to know everything. (laughs) True. So yeah, it resonated with me. It worked for you. I mean, that's why you chose it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, giving birth to my daughter was the most empowering thing I've ever done and will ever do. And after I gave birth to her, I just wanted to scream from the rooftops. Like, I didn't even care that I just had the baby. I was like, did anybody just see what I just did? It's like, I just freaking pushed this baby out of my vagina. Like, oh my gosh, without any drugs. Yes. Like, did why is nobody like giving me a standing ovation right now? <laughs> right. So it was like incredible. Mm-hmm. And I like totally give credit to the Bradley method because it just prepared us on a practical level to hire someone as a doula what does that run as far as cost yeah cost Mm -hmm. um it totally depends on edge or i mean not education location like orange county is going to be more expensive but i would say like for a new doula you're talking like six to eight hundred dollars um like an average fair priced doula is going to be like a thousand to twelve hundred and then i've seen doulas like go up to like eighteen hundred 
Um, and that so includes yeah. from the beginning of your commitment with that doula and all the support that's needed. Do you do you outline exactly what you're providing for each of those people? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it obviously looks different for everybody because I've had people hire me at 39 weeks pregnant and people that hire me at four weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. So, um, but what it includes is the consultation where we meet um, because you want to pick somebody that you vibe with. Sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm going to see, like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you want to make sure that you, like, feel comfortable for me to be in the room to see such a vulnerable moment. Um, and then it includes one to two prenatals, which we talked about earlier. That's where I meet them. We come up with a birth plan. I find out all their birth preferences, show dad how to do comfort measures. Um, and then it includes being on call from 37 to 42 weeks pregnant and the birth itself on average I'd say I'm there for like 12 hours but could be up to 24 36 could be whatever Mm -hmm. um or it could be really quick yeah um and then one postpartum visit what's the longest birth you've ever had I'm pretty good about timing it. Like, I always tell my clients, and this is totally a hula doula thing. This is not all doulas. But I always tell my clients at the consultation, look, you don't want a super tired doula. And you certainly don't want all eyes on you when you're in the beginning stages of labor. Like, because then you feel like all eyes are on you and then your body's like, like, (laughs) shuts down. So I just say, just labor, take your time. Like, do what you can with just you and your spouse. At home. At home. Um, using all the tools and tricks and things that I taught you. And then, when you feel like you need me, I will come. But typically, you don't want to call me until things get intense. What that looks like is she's moaning through contractions. Her eyes are closed. She's not smiling anymore. She's serious, (laughs) determined, focused. Mm -hmm. And then I tell dad, like when she looks like this, this is when you call me. Okay. And so they know when to call me. And if they're unsure, they'll call me and I'll say, okay, like, let me talk to her. And I'll be like, hi, Sarah. Like, how are you doing? She's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing, oh. (laughs) And I can, like, hear her contracting. And I'm like, okay, I'm on my way. Like, so it's beneficial to hear them because then I know, like, how serious it is just by the noises. Right. Do you remember when you went into labor, Anne? I -hmm. was so afraid of having that baby because at the first one especially you think, what if I, like, don't get to the hospital in time? Oh, yeah. That's what everybody says. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, what do you say to them? Do you say, like, how do you know when the right time to go is? Because you don't know. Yeah. I mean, I almost had my first baby in the car. So really? Like, I get it. Yeah. But, like, it, you, you know because things get to a point of intensity. Like, if you're questioning, like, should we go to the hospital? Honey, it is not time. I Sit know. your smiley A down. <laughs> like, like you, if you're smiling and chatting, go back to the shower and keep laboring. But yeah. I remember people going, oh, I, especially people who did natural births and they were, like, kind of braggy about it, I mm-hmm. felt like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. I didn't have to have any, um, they weren't, like, rejoicing like you are. I'm not talking like yeah. that. I mean, they're like... Oh, yeah, it wasn't that bad. I mean, I've had, you know, I used to have um, my periods were so Mm -hmm. bad that my, you know, my cramps felt worse than even childbirth. And so I remember the first time. And who the frick are those people? I need to talk to them. Yeah, I think they're all lying. But I I literally was like worried I wasn't getting. And at first I was like, yeah, this 
they were right. This isn't that bad. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're right. You Kicks get to a place. Yeah. One yeah. of the questions that we had from somebody was, it, they asked, um, what are the tools to help during labor when she reaches the breaking point? Yeah, so... What's the breaking point? Oh, I think we all know. I've been there. Anyone who's had a kid, I think you know what the breaking point is. Oh, what do you think the breaking point is? Well, mine was when I actually walked into the hospital. I kind of... (laughs) (laughs) I pulled to Denise and I was like, hi, everybody. Who here can give me the epidural? (laughs) I was not messing around. Anybody, and who can give me the best stuff? I'm taking taking anybody... As the custodian comes up from the back, he's like, come on over here, I can help you. No, I mean, the breaking point is that that point where you're, it's, it's, I don't know how to describe it. I just remember being there and just like Denise, Denise lifted a finger. She knows, she I had can a describe point, it. And I think this is when I knew it was my breaking point And I told mm-hmm. Maddie about this. This is how the discussion went because I, my, epi, my epidural drip system stopped working. Mm-hmm. And I had a moment where there was this burning sensation that would not go away. And I mean, like you were pushing at this point? I think so. I, it, I, I, I literally have PTSD from it, so yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure exactly what's happening. I just remember that I couldn't get away from the pain. The pain yeah. was so intense, and it lasted long enough, you know, more than 15, 20 minutes. You're just like, this is, I got to a place where, and everybody didn't know what to do, and I was just like, okay, I sat up, I started taking my IV out, what? Yes. Why are you doing I'm not that making crazy this up. lady. I'm going home. That's what I said. I said, I'm done. I'm not I'm not gonna do this anymore. I, I decided I don't want to do this. And Hod is looking at me like, wait, 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 wait. Let let's move back here. Wait, so sit down, honey, sit down. And I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Is that the breaking point? Oh yeah. Honey, that's, that's, that's called transition. Oh. So so like what we talked about earlier, I mean there's so many components to this, and this is why it's important to take a childbirth education class. Because you get into like this routine, which is active labor. Like early labor is like just kind of fun and crampy and like, oh my gosh, is this it? Like I think I'm in labor, guys. Yeah, right. And then active labor hits and you're like, oh no. no like yeah. okay, I'm not this is this. actually intense. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to do this. But it's it's routine. Like the contractions are getting like patterned. They're intense. Like she's probably like moaning through contractions. Like ooh, you know, mm-hmm. like she's in the zone, really focused. Typically, women handle that fine. Um, it's not really until transition, which I said is the hardest part of labor, but the shortest part of labor. What is that though? It's like the the contractions don't stop. Or so in active labor, the average is like your contractions come every three to five minutes and they last about 60 seconds long. Mm-hmm. So you contract for 60 seconds and then you have five minutes of rest and then 60 seconds, five minutes of rest. Transition, well, like just anatomy wise, when you're in active labor, your uterus contracts horizontally. When you're in transition, your uterus um, has expulsive contractions, which means it contracts from top to bottom Girl. to expel the oh. baby out of Aunt's your body. Aunt's eyes okay. have bugged out of her head. <laughs> sorry. And she's now experiencing, I think she's back in Vietnam. She's <laughs> like, <laughs> she, sorry. She, she's like, where's the custodian? Is she's it? literally like, give me the custodian <laughs> now. It's as if I never gave birth to a child. Everything you're saying yeah. is so like just blowing my mind. Okay. Yeah, so these expulsive contractions are <laughs> No long. one told us anything about this. No, this is too yeah, long ago. They're, they're they didn't so tell us anything. long. Yeah. And 
the explosive contractions are way more painful. Yes, because okay. Because your body's like, okay, we're not just wiggling the baby down. Now it's time to get the baby out. Get, yeah. And so the contractions last really long, usually like 90 to 120 seconds long. And you only get about like a minute of I don't rest. remember any of this. Like literally, if someone would have told me, at least you could be like, okay, this is normal. My body's doing what it's supposed to do. So what is it? Is that where women become... This is what they show in the movies. Okay. Women are screaming, no, no, ah, like screaming, I yes. can't do this. I want to go home, ripping their IV out. I want my mom. I don't want to do this. Like, and I hate you, yeah, my husband. The biggest like emotional sign of transition is self-doubt. So when mom oh. starts saying, I can't do this, subconsciously shaking her head, no. Getting out uh, of the bed. Getting out of the bed. I'd be like, okay, Denise, sit down. Like the baby's like, almost here. Go, sit down. Yeah. What do you do for your client when that happens? What's your job this at is that point? That I ask them before I say, when you get to the point, if you get to the point where safe word, what's your safe yes, word? Yes, pretty much like where <laughs> if you're asking for drugs because transitions the most common time to ask for drugs. What do you want us to say? Isn't it too late by transition though? There's never a time too late to get an epidural as long as you can sit still. But they don't oh, like to give still. epidurals within two hours of the birth because baby's going to come out really drugged is that, mm. is that a problem well it, they say they say <laughs> i just i'm saying i'm just i'm asking for a friend i'm just saying like the baby's sleep okay good yeah so <laughs> that's that's just where you like weigh the pros and cons and this is right. like what i talk to you about clients is there's no right or wrong you just have to decide what's best for you but i do tell my clients that it is proven that all drugs administered during childbirth get to the baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's been proven. Yeah. You, they used to say, no, 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 the placenta is a barrier. The drugs don't get to the baby. Now it's proven that they do get to the baby. And then right under that on the FDA website, there's a little caveat that says none of the drugs used in childbirth are approved for the use in fetuses. Mm. So it's like, so the FDA isn't approving it. Well, not for the fetus because they're giving it. They're administering the drugs to the mom. Right. Yeah. It's. But oh, they're. Nobody they're, told they're me not, that. So this, this that's is why the same group say, that's approved this <laughs> vaccine we have right now. Oh, I'm just. So please. Okay. <laughs> move on. Okay. Childbirth. 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 <laughs> but yeah. So like, I tell my clients that you just have to weigh the pros and cons. Like sometimes there are really really beneficial times to get an epidural where like you need it. You're too tense. Yes. There's no way you're doing right. this without it. Right. Um, there are those situations, but I always say like it is best to get the least amount of intervention as possible. It's not just about the epidural. There's so many other interventions that can happen, mm-hmm. and it's best to just like leave laboring mothers alone. Oh, okay. So, so when you hypothetically have a mom who gets to that final transition yeah. phase and she is losing her mind, Denise. Typically, Denise, what typically do you do for her and the husband to sort of get them through that? Just on a practical level, what do you do? What do you say? Yeah, so usually I notice that they're not doing well emotionally because of their noises. So instead of being low and deep and in control, they're now getting higher pitched and like, "Ah," you know, you can tell that they're like struggling. And so I just kind of bring them back down to reality. I would say things like, Denise, you can do this. You are doing this. I needed her. You have been doing this. You can do this. I'll stay in bed. One contraction at a time, in through your nose, out through your mouth in through you know it's like i'm just like so yeah as much as her brain's telling her you can't do this you can't do this i'm there telling her yes you can yes you can oh and this is what i was going to say earlier in the bradley method book 
um, it talks about like when the mom's saying, I need something for the pain. Yes. The husband can be that thing that she needs. Mm. You know, they're saying, I can't do this with the current circumstances. So maybe if we changed something and dad was a little more involved, pushed a little harder on her back, like gave her a loving like kiss on the forehead, gave her words of encouragement, maybe that would be enough to help her get through that one contraction. Mm. I think your generation is completely you know, evolved in, in so many things. I mean, yeah. men are parents now. They are co-parenting. They're yeah. not just kind of arm candy any longer, right? Like they're really involved in the everyday, they're changing diapers, they're up with the babies, yeah. they're helping mom, they're part of labor. Mm-hmm. Huge thing. What would you say, what would be the one advice you'd give to a husband going through, getting ready to go into labor with their wife? They don't have a doula. So... There's so many things. There's like not even one thing. But I always just say, whether it's pregnancy, birth, or postpartum, your wife is giving the ultimate sacrifice. Her body, her time, her emotions, hormonally, everything. And the least you can do, like (laughs) the least you can do is take care of her. Because she's taking care of the baby who's taking care of her. And I always tell my clients' husbands that. And whatever that looks like. Like some moms have anxiety and don't like to let their husbands help, you know. And so there's so many different situations, but that's always what I say is you need to take care of her. She's giving everything she has emotionally, physically, time, sleep to the baby. You need to equally give that to her. What are what are your experiences with uh, the postpartum depression situations? Yeah, I had postpartum depression with my daughter, and I was like... Did you recognize that you had it, or is it something that afterwards you realized, oh, I, I think I had postpartum? Mm, I think I did know at the time, but I like wouldn't say it out loud. I was kind of prideful about it. I had really bad intrusive thoughts, which mm-hmm. that's a really big indicator of postpartum depression. Intrusive like, thoughts like... Like I would envision myself hurting my baby. Oh, mm-hmm. Um, or she'd be sleeping in her room and I, I would play through this scenario of the house caught on fire and I can't get to her in her room. And, and, you know, these thoughts would be, they would just overcome you. And so then I couldn't sleep and it made my anxiety worse. Mm -hmm. And then I was more sleep deprived, which made me more depressed. So I was having really bad intrusive thoughts and I was going to a postpartum support group and they, you know, they have like a doctors are supposed to do this at your six-week checkup but they have like a sheet that would basically like if you got like 15 of them like you have postpartum depression right and i think it was like anything above 10 and i got 15 so but i just still couldn't say like oh yeah i have postpartum depression there's such a stigma because you just did this amazing thing you felt so good about it yeah you have this beautiful child you love her you love your husband you love your life you've chose this you wanted this but now you feel weird about it (laughs) and i wanted to hurt my baby (laughs) yeah what the heck you really and and again you didn't really want to but you were having this thought yeah like so strange here's the thing that's crazy and what is so important about education is so the placenta When we grow a placenta with each pregnancy, that houses 70% of the total hormones in our body. Mm. So when we deliver the placenta after we have the baby, Mm. we're losing 70% of the total amount of hormones in our body 
no wonder we struggle postpartum because our hormones are so off. And a lot of the times, it is just because you're sleep deprived. It is just because your hormones are out of balance. And usually with time, it resolves itself. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it doesn't and you need medication and that's fine. Like, you know, I just always like tell my clients what to look out for and just like tell them like I struggled with it. I'd say majority, definitely more of my clients struggle with it than not. Sure. So it's like, dude, it happens to everybody. Like just be on top of it, be aware. And what can you do if you have postpartum? What is your advice to a mom who's struggling with that? Yeah, so it could come on like right after you have the baby or not for months. And what you do is just be open about it, number one. Like tell your- There's no shame. No, tell your spouse like, I'm having these thoughts. I don't want to hurt my baby, but like I keep envisioning myself doing. And that's not blah, the blah, only blah, blah, thing blah. that postpartum does for you. No, I mean there's, no. a, there's a lot of other symptoms of postpartum. Well, there's postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, postpartum rage, mm-hmm. postpartum OCD. There's so much stuff, and a lot of it is because of your hormones. So I would just say like be open with yourself. Maybe even write your symptoms down like in your journal and you don't have to show anybody and then be honest with your provider and just tell them your symptoms and even if they do say yep you have postpartum depression if you don't want to like label it as that don't label it as that but just know like okay like I might need a little help and what is the little help you get do they actually re-help you with your hormones or do they give you some kind of antidepressants yeah they can medicate you um I'd say in a lot of cases like my clients get medicated even just like super temporarily right but a lot of the times what helps is when moms start getting sleep Mm -hmm. um asking for help from others yeah like just having that community of help knowing they're not alone because i think a lot of like the reoccurring thoughts just come from like the guilt and the shame and it's just like this big old process and it's like just know you're not alone everybody has some version of this and like Honestly, I would say in most cases it will pass. Yeah. Like just give it time and just be like open and honest because yeah. it's just so normal. Is there anything that you would tell a mom like a toolkit that they would need to bring to the hospital? Like what do you tell your moms that is like the one or two things that you should for sure have in the hospital and after the after the birth after the birth diapers like <laughs> do not diapers for yourself not your baby oh oh oh, oh. <laughs> yeah like don't mess around with those hospital like pads pads and mm-hmm. underwear like diapers are so easy and like adult f- diapers less is more like the hospital provides everything as far as baby goes like diapers onesies sure. hats whatever um, but I always just say snacks for sure for you and for dad. Um, and then, oh, I don't know, I'd have to look at my list, but there's been some questions about what it, it is, like what kind of courses do you offer? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions was, do you have online courses? Yeah, so I am affiliated with the Bradley Method. Um, and so we have um, in-person classes But then with COVID and everything like that, Mm -hmm. they started being way more lenient about online classes and these hybrid sessions where they were like half online and then half through video call. Um, So I do a lot of those, like FaceTime classes, um, especially with couples in Hawaii still because that's where I just moved from. And so, um, yeah, I offer that. But then in-person classes are ideal. Sure. 
just because it's way more fun to like sit with people in person and meet them. Um, so yeah, so I offer in-person classes mm-hmm. or virtual classes, and then obviously my doula services, same thing, virtual or. Would you be able to do somebody out of state? Yeah, yeah. So you could do like kind of a hybrid method of that, maybe. Yeah, for sure. So I always like recommend classes starting like twenty-five to thirty weeks pregnant because. It's like, a lot, you know, there's a lot of classes to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, as long as, like, it works for both of our schedules and the time zones and stuff, like, I'm totally always down to, like, do virtual classes with people out of state. Do you have any clients currently? Yeah. So I took the month of August off because I had five births in July. <gasps> yeah. So oh. I really focused more on, like, the last year, I would say I was, like, more focused on um, – Bradley method clients yeah but then when we got back from Hawaii I was just really feeling doula work and so now I'm really solely like a lot of my work is just doula work um so in July I had five births August I took off I didn't take any births in August I only have one in September and then three or four in October oh wow so yeah I try to not take too many because I obviously have two little kids at home yeah um but it's 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 really fun. It That's must so cool. just be like you talked about that high when you you're part of that experience. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a fly on the wall or to be part of that experience because it's one of the most amazing you know miracles that we can experience in our lives is to be to give birth but then to be able to be a you know an observer, a participant yeah 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 you know a participant and observer mm-hmm. especially to help that family in that way would be pretty amazing yeah i mean it's really special like i just got goosebumps like mm-hmm. just from that thinking about it yeah because my clients like we get really close obviously because i'm there on a very vulnerable day but I cry every single time, every time when the baby comes out, because not only am I like witnessing a baby being born, but I'm witnessing a mother be born. And it's so special to just like see parents um, just step into this stage of life together. And yeah, you just feel really lucky to be like included in a day like that. Yeah, rewarding, instant gratification. Oh, you absolutely. Know. Yeah. In my videos that I record on my client's phone, I'm like, <laughs> trying to like hold back my tears. <laughs> they can hear you in the yeah. background. So Maddie, there is a lot of different options. We've talked about hospital births. You've talked about birthing centers. You Standalone birthing centers. You've talked about it. What is some of your experience? I know for a fact that your last child was born in a pretty unconventional way. And actually, your mother was scared of it for you i know this for a fact and um why don't you give us a little bit about that and then have you ever had anybody do like a and i've heard of other people doing this my sister thought she was going to do this she was going to do a water birth Mm -hmm. and i was like jill you like drugs there's no way you can do this because you you need you need like morphine when you have a headache this isn't going to be for you so tell us a tell little us bit about, about your birth tell us a little yeah. bit about your birth and, and maybe yeah and maybe something that if you've ever had experienced yeah. that so first thing about water births super common amongst birth centers and home births mm. because water is what they call like the midwife's epidural like oh. because water is very relaxing and soothing and actually eases a lot of the pains of childbirth So if you have a home birth, you don't have to give birth in the water, but a lot of people like it because it's so comfortable. So that's the first thing. Um, Second thing with my daughter, my first baby, I got to the hospital at nine centimeters dilated 
and had the baby within the hour. So it was really fast labor. My mom and my grandma both had their babies very fast. Really? And so, and it, it can be hereditary. And so I anticipated having my second baby very fast because my labor with my daughter was like seven hours start to finish. And with my daughter, I was in Arizona. With my second, my son, I was living in Hawaii and we were over an hour away from the hospital. Mm. And so I thought, oh my gosh, like, I wouldn't even make it to the hospital. And they don't have birthing centers there. Yeah, technically the one in Hawaii like is a birth center, but mm. it's just it's just at the hospital. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I was like, okay, I don't have a lot of options. So I guess home birth is like the thing for me because I'm not trying to give birth in the car. <laughs> and uh, like on this one lane road in Hawaii. <laughs> so um, yeah, we were like, let's have a home birth. And then my apartment complex was like, oh, well, actually home births aren't allowed. Um, super weird. <laughs> what? It was in the lease and everything. It I guess. was? Yeah, it totally was. And we were like, we had already gotten in trouble. So we were like, oh my gosh, we cannot get kicked Wait, out of this. What? Place. Yeah. So I was like, I mean, I, I guess if it's an accident. So then uh, we looked at other options, which was the hotel down the street. So we did it. We rented a room <laughs> when I thought Anna I was and I labor. just looked at each other like, what? Like by the hour? Are we like, talking what? like a Holiday Inn type thing? Oh, you don't, no, don't, was, we're not going to give any it names. It was a Marriott. <gasps> <laughs> Thank you. You used your point. Yes. Yeah. Marriott. Like, yeah. Nothing but the best for my life. So you rented a Marriott yep. room, like a room. Yeah. Specifically so, to give birth. Yeah. When I was like, I woke up feeling contractions and I was like, okay, these, like, aren't even painful. It's, like, not a big deal. But my midwife, like, knew because we talked about it so much. We anticipated a fast labor. So I called her. And I'm, like, very educated in the birth process. So I'm like, these are my contractions. I know I'm in early labor. The intensity is blah, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, on my way. And I'm like, okay. So my husband at that time went over to the hotel, like, <laughs> got the room. This is at, like, 2 or, like, this is, like, three or four in the morning and so then we get to the hotel at five in the morning i go in the back door i'm like walking in like oh she's like <laughs> moaning my way in and then my midwife joined shortly after and the little clerk guy is probably thinking wow this guy has a lot of women entering <laughs> his hotel room at three in the morning this is exciting yeah and uh then yeah my labor was very short it was only two hours long and pushed that baby out in a hotel room yeah. Okay. Not in, it wasn't a water birth though. No, okay. I was just standing up the whole time. Is there like plastic on the floor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> when you have a home birth, they like tell you like all the things you'll need to protect like your bed yeah. and your carpet and sure. stuff. So my mother-in-law had sent like um, these tablecloths. Sure. I don't even know the material, but yeah, we just laid them on the floor and on the bed, but like my water didn't break or anything. So it was not... It wasn't a massive no, mess. it was not messy. And then yeah. when I started to push, they, like, just made sure that everything was, like, covered and pushed him out. And then stayed the night in the Marriott and then went home. Room service, baby. Yeah. Wow. So that, that maid was like, yes. whoa, what happened in this room? No, that's the thing about home births. Your midwives clean it up for you. Oh, oh they do? Yeah, they beautiful. do. So they that's left beautiful. that hotel room spick and span. I love it. Yeah. So let's, let's go back to the water birth. You have done a few of those. Yeah. Do you notice a difference with the mom, with the baby? Oh, yeah. Like 
moms like just rave about the water. That was like never my thing. I never, I don't know, like that just wasn't my thing. I got into the bathtub on all of my labors, and that is the one thing that really helped. Helped. I mean, it was huge. I couldn't imagine like having the baby out in the water though, but that and that is not like Denise is saying. So you're pushing that baby out into water. Yeah, so like most of the time, like it's not that women are like, okay, I want to go like push the baby out in the water. It's like they're in the bath relaxing and then typically your labor speeds up really fast when you're that relaxed. Really? And yeah, the more relaxed you are, the faster things happen. Okay, okay. So they get in the tub and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's go time and then it just, you know, naturally happens. But yeah, I've worked just like a birth I had last month was just amazing. It was a super fast labor and... Yeah, it's it's incredible because the baby's obviously attached to the umbilical cord, so mm-hmm. like they're not breathing the air because they're right. in fluid in the womb. So yeah, when they start to come out in the water, like they're just in the water and you can kind of just leave them in there and then just slowly bring them up and then they take their first breath. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Wow. Who knew? One last question. What is the best way for someone to find a doula? or a midwife, but really a doula. How, how would yeah. they go about that? Well, a lot of people don't know that they like have a say, like they just like go to an OB and they're like, oh, I didn't even really like them. So my first thing is like interview people. Like even if you have to interview five doulas, five midwives, five OBs, whatever. But my first like thing with social media is like, especially for doulas, search doulas in your area, search hashtags, like hashtag Arizona doula and start following a bunch of different doulas and see which one you vibe with just through social media. And then if there's five you vibe with, set up a consultation with all of them. Same thing for midwives, same thing for OBs. Like, so that you're actually picking the person that's best for you. Yeah, yeah. So before we let you go, all of our guests uh, bring in their takeaway gift. It's their tag of, it's sort of like, what's your life motto or what are you sort of feeling right now that is something that you look back to uh, maybe if you're having a good day having a bad day this is like your saying your quote your thought that that really uh defines who you are yeah the first thing that came to mind is just knowledge is power because it's so simple but in any any stage of life any situation like the more you know the better like the more knowledge you have, the more prepared you are, the more powerful you are to make decisions that are best for you, to be able to see the full picture, advocate for yourself, like just knowledge is power. I love it. True. Very true. Thank you. Yeah. You have educated me. me. I, you know, like I thought this was something bougie that only people with a lot of money did or something granola-y people did. Nope. Nope. You guys down to have more babies? Nope. (laughs) Nope. Absolutely not. But I am down to having my daughter-in-laws have a doula. Oh, good. That would be, and my daughter, daughter, she definitely will have a doula. She will definitely have the hula doula. That's right. At the hula doula on Instagram, give her a follow. It's it's a very fun educational event. Instagram account at the Hula Doula. Maddie, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on. We will see you next time here on Two Average Girls. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and follow. We'll see you next time. Bye.
Yeah.